Hey, this is Rich. This is Cass. This is Jacob. This is Luke. Yes, Salut, c'est Jonathan Mercier. Welcome to the Hillsong Creative Micropod. Well, hello and welcome to the Hillsong Creative Podcast. This is Rich Langton speaking and I'm so glad that you joined us. As I always am, I'm uh, amazed at all the places where you guys are listening from. So thank you for being a part of this journey with us. It's it's amazing. And uh, we are still in lockdown here in Sydney and... Um, well, you know what? God is still moving. I'm I'm just amazed at the good stories that we're hearing, even while in lockdown. Um, you know, I, there's a lot of tragedy. There's a lot of bad stuff going on in the world. But in amongst it, there's silver linings. Um, and I've just been encouraged by one of our creative pastors recently to look for the pearls in the field. You know, the kingdom is at work. God is at work. And there's pearls in the field. Uh, if you don't know what I'm referring to, go, go uh, Google the Bible. Uh, and the story that Jesus told about the pearl of great price in the field. I believe that there's good stories, there's good things that God is doing even now around the world, and I'm encouraged by those good stories. Uh, And if you need a bit of encouragement, I pray that today's episode will do that for you. We've got a bit of a special treat. Uh, recently, we did an interview with our, you know, for our global creative team, and it was it was really good, and it was so good that we wanted to uh, share it with you. So most of you know Ben Fielding, one of our worship leaders and uh, songwriters here at Hillsong, and um, he's written songs like "What a Beautiful Name," uh, which I'm sure you will know and love. Well, he and Pastor Robert and Amanda Ferguson spoke uh, and had a bit of an interview recently. Robert and Amanda are our, our uh, teaching pastors, or at least Robert is. Amanda uh, works in the college, teaches in the college, and together they um, they they really help our songwriters with all of the, the lyrics of the songs as they write them. And they're great people, great pastors, uh, seasoned pastors, full of wisdom. And anyway, this conversation was a great one. It's about worship. It's about songs. And I know you're going to love it. I pray it blesses you. I pray it lifts you up in this time and perhaps encourages you in your own songwriting or your own creativity. So we'll jump right in. Have a good day. Love you guys. I read Psalm 105 this morning. It just says, it says, hallelujah. Thank God and praise him by name. Tell everyone you meet what he has done. Sing him songs, belt out those hymns, translate his wonders into music. Honour his holy name with hallelujah. And you who seek God, you live a happy life. Keep your eyes open for God. Watch for his works. Be alert for the signs of his presence and remember the world of his wonders, the miracles and verdicts he has rendered. You are the children of Abraham and the seed of Jacob, his chosen and precious possessions. So I figure, Fielding, I'm going to hand it to you and we are looking forward to this. Thanks so much, Cass. And, um, you know, I think it is a, it's a real reminder of um, that this sort of last, you know, year, two years has been such a year, uh, uh, two years of, of extremes. Um, we have with us this morning um, the Fergusons and um, they're such an incredible blessing to our church and, you know, um, they sort of go without introduction. But I did want to just take a moment um, before we we launch into um, this sort of interview component, just to, to honour you, Robert and Amanda, and um, just to say a huge thank you for, for all of the years um, that you've imparted uh, into our creative team, into our worship team, and um, not just into our team, but into the worship of our church. 
And um, and many like on this um, Zoom this morning would know that um, that you've for years have you know you've come and spoken to our team. You've prayed um, with people in our team. You've invited people in, from our team into your home, and you've pastored and you've mentored and you've you've spoken life and wisdom into people. You've done that in our team nights at our conferences, creative conferences. Um, you've uh, looked over song lyrics. You've uh, gently, sometimes firmly uh, guided our, our lyric process. Um, you've given feedback to, to worship leaders. You've um, inspired our church to, to sing. Um, and I was thinking, you know, what is it about you to that, um, you know, creates such a, a special place in the heart of, of our creative team? And and I think, you know, in part it's, it's your consistency um, and it's your your love for God over a lot of years, and you you model something which I think is really uh, uh, aspirational for for our team, and um and you serve God with a with a consistency that I think is is beautiful, um, but I think one of the things that that makes you to some of our favorites is the way that you talk about God, the way that you understand God. It, it's the way you talk about God is beautiful. And and the way you talk about God is is multi-dimensional, and I even loved yesterday, Robert, when we were talking. Um, you said I don't want to just kind of have a, a sort of a two D basically conversation about worship. Say this is what it is, you know, on you go. But but you, you said I want it to be a, a conversation that is prophetic. I want to I want to pause. I want to have a, a moment to to really um, understand what God is wanting to say. And I think for us as creatives. Um, it's so easy to lean into the way you talk about God because I guess our job as people who create things is to try to work out how to, um, it's the same God, but how to get a different angle and help people see God from different perspectives. So I just want to say again, just thank you so much. I want to honor you. And um, I want to, I guess, start this morning by um, just asking what what God has been, um, you know, speaking to you about, particularly you know, over the last few weeks, kind of going back into lockdown, what what disciplines have you found you've had to create in 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 your life? Thank you, Ben. Uh, well, Kaz for, and Rich for inviting us, and Ben for your gracious comments just now. Um, I think uh, I haven't changed in terms of my normal devotional life much, to be honest. I think uh, I've just continued doing what I've been doing for the last 20 or 30 years. But I have been more intentional. I think when you're going through difficult times, and all of us are going through difficult times, you have to be that much more focused, that much more intentional, and almost establish certain routines that are absolutely you are determined to do. One thing, Krishan, at the beginning of the year, talked about the significance of kneeling. So I've always followed um, a pattern in the book of Ephesians where he talks about us sitting with Christ, kneeling before the Father, walking in the Spirit, and then standing against the devil. So it's got a a four-part posture. You sit with Christ, you kneel um, before the Father, based on your sitting, you then walk out your faith, and then you stand. So I've actually become very intentional about doing those four things. So every morning, Amanda and I sit together and read. We don't talk to each other, we just read our Bibles. Then I go upstairs 
and I shut the door and I kneel, just like the Bible tells us that that's what we should do. And then we go for a walk together. And then if um, it's appropriate, I stand by a particular window and take communion facing in a particular direction. So really intentional thinking about those four postures so that I start the day exactly the way I want to start it. Yeah, likewise. I don't do it exactly like that, though we do go for the walk together. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we've been praying all our lives, but intentional. Um, for me, it got me intentionally praying for particular groups on particular days, which I'd I'd lost that habit of being so sort of disciplined about that. And that's been really great. You know, in a, um, you know, the, the sort of season that we've had, um, you know, everybody on, on, you know, varying degrees have had to deal with um, all kinds of disappointment, um, all kinds of expectations that haven't been met that have had to change. And um, as, as worshippers, is there room for disappointment? How do you how do you see disappointment as a worshiping community? How do you how do we do that? Look, I think um, disappointment's a real thing. Uh, one of my disappointments is that um, my youngest daughter Eleanor and her family were meant to come for Christmas last year. They live in Cape Town. Um, that didn't happen. It's not going to happen again this year. That's disappointing, disappointing for them, disappointing for us. And I think the first thing you have to do is, is not to deny it, actually grieve it, go, okay, this is disappointing and I'm sad about that. But then very quickly to move into, well, okay, so this is where we are now. So how can I move forward? You know, I can't live in disappointment and regret that's that's not going to help me so i have to deal with this, the season now and for me the most important thing then is always to put my focus back on the one who can and will never disappoint me so i bring my focus back to god and as worshipers of course that is an easy focus for us to bring ourselves back to but uh I turn my focus to him and and uh, move on. <laughs> I think what Amanda says about facing the realities, I think that's such an important thing. In uh, Romans chapter 4, Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, but against all the hope, in hope he believed. So we've got to do both of those things. We've got to face the facts, but at the same time not waver in our faith. A lot of people think that loss, or they're shocked at loss. Loss is a normal part of our life. God has actually created a world, even, even without the fall, he's created a world of loss. Every season requires a loss. Every day requires a loss. Every marriage requires a loss. There's a loss of the past. There's a loss. And I think our life, our success in life is, is how to deal with those things. So I don't see disappointment as a sort of weird thing. As a fallen human being, I'm constantly disappointed, not just with life, but with myself. I'm 
I'm disappointed with my performance. I'm disappointed with my prayer. I'm disappointed with my preaching. Recently, I said to God, could you please remove this? And he said, no, it's your thorn in the flesh. You, you have to face the fact that you require grace. So I never see, you know, facing loss or facing challenge or facing difficulty or facing uh, disappointment as a bad thing. I just see it as a part of life. The key, the answer for me to disappointment is appointment. I, the opposite of disappointment is that I have been appointed by God, called by God to do what I do. And I'm constantly disappointed with my performance, but I am never disappointed with his calling. I think that's really helpful. That's a beautiful um, picture. And, you know, we were talking, um, and I've heard you preach before, Robert, on um, Genesis 22, the, you know, the first time worship, I believe, is mentioned in the Bible is when uh there's there's the picture of of Isaac about to be um, you know taken up the the mountain and 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 this picture of of sacrifice is the first time we hear the word worship and um, I was just thinking about that uh, you know when you're talking about loss and you're talking about the fact that this is part of of life that um, like sacrifice is essentially choosing loss choosing something to leave your life and. Um, and that's so at the heart of, of worship. Could you speak a little bit to what that looks like for, for us as, as a church, you know, when, and us as a creative team and mu- often music teams, how does, what sacrifice look like when it comes to the way that we corporately worship? I'm looking to my wife, you know, I was hoping that she was going to answer that question. <laughs> Look, uh, you, you're right. Genesis 22 is a key is a key uh, verse or chapter for me because the only hand raised is one of appalling sacrifice. We often think of worship as music and raised hands and closed eyes. There is nothing of that in that passage. It's about submission. It's about sacrifice. It's about obedience. It's about commitment to God. Many years ago, in fact, back in the 70s, I took a year off, uh, sorry, a week off, a complete week just to study. Uh, I wanted to write some messages on worship. And I just read lots of books on worship, and I wrote a series of messages on worship. And to be honest, not much has changed. I, I, I unpacked the idea that Thanksgiving should be a normal part of our life, Thanksgiving for what God has done, praise should be uh, a declaration of God, uh, his name, his character, who he is. And then worship is a direct and necessary response to his glory. And I think that a lot of people have missed this concept of a response to his glory. Uh, Worship is the necessary and uh, essential Um, response of the created for the creator. And if you think about it, when the glory of God in 2 Chronicles chapter 5 fell in the temple, the glory of God fell, his worth and his weight, the, the servants could not sing. They could not uh, serve at all because the weight of God's glory was such that it, they were beyond singing. They were beyond using their God-given gifts. 
And I don't think that we've really got to that point where we, we sort of rather tritely talk about worship as the quiet songs or the, or the worshipy songs. They, worship is the response of our entire life to God, to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 15, do everything for the glory of God. But when we really encounter the glory of God, we are silenced before him. There is nothing we can say or do. The only thing that we can do is fall flat on our face uh, in correct response. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking your image of the first worship being sacrifice. I mean, think all the way through the Old Testament, worship was associated with rivers of blood and sacrifice um, until finally Jesus became the perfect sacrifice and his blood now speaks a better word. But uh, so I think that the idea of costliness and sacrifice, uh, I think it's a really helpful key thought um, when we think about worship. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, you know, Robert, yesterday we were talking about um, just some of the things that you felt were on your heart and, you know, in your spirit for today. Um, and one of the things you mentioned was talking more about Jesus and um, not less. And I was thinking about, um, yeah, there's a, a Simply Christian, a Tom Wright book where he talks about uh, Christian worship and he talks about Revelation 4 and 5 and says that, you know, that singing or any worship that doesn't talk about the one who opened the scroll, that um, doesn't talk about Jesus, um, misses the point. And Amanda just reminded me of that um, when you talked about Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice, that, um, you know, we can sing about the faithfulness of God. We can sing about what God did at, um, at, in the Exodus, what God's done throughout history. Um, but there's, it's, it's kind of leading to this culmination of, of Jesus. And, um, you know, I think about our songs. I think about what we need to be singing in this season. Um, and as we come back and start meeting together, uh, you know, the, the, the God says that I'm, I'm there with you when you agree in Jesus, when, when we're in Christ together. Um, could you speak a little bit more to that and, and why that's stirring in your spirit uh, right now? Well, look, in that book uh, that you, you referenced, Tom Wright's book, Simply Christian, he talks about uh, four, four echoes that are in the world, beauty, justice, relationships and spirituality that every human being responds to. And it shows that we're human. So we want beauty, we want justice, we want spirituality, we want relationships. And that shows that we are created in his image, looking for the real thing. These are just echoes of our relationship with God. But our relationship with God is only through the Lord Jesus Christ. So I think sometimes when we gather together, we we um, we we opt for the echo instead of the real thing. In other words, we are, go to a meeting, the music's loud, we uh, we feel good, we we just walk away feeling great because we've sung a a worship song or a praise song. And really, that's just being human. You can get that going to a football match. You can get that going to a concert. 
The difference is that we've got to, as John 4 says, God is spirit and we worship in spirit and in truth. We're not, it's, of course we feel feel God. Of course we feel um, him, his presence. And we, if we didn't, we wouldn't be human. But our focus should be truth and spirit. And both truth and spirit are always talking about Jesus. That's, that's what Jesus says, I am truth. He said um, in the, if you, he says in John 5 to the people, he said, you look in the Bible for life. And so you should. But instead of when you look in the Bible, you don't find me. But I, it's about me. And I think that's what a lot of people do today. They go to church for life, but they're not looking for Jesus. They're looking for life. And Jesus is the one we're looking for. And, of course, the Spirit, John 15, 26, everything he, the only thing he talks about is Jesus. The Spirit talks about Jesus. Jesus talks about the Father. And if we are worshipping in spirit and in truth, we have to talk about Jesus. He is what we're about. And 1 John 4, of course, how do you determine the difference between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error? Anybody who acknowledges that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. In other words, the, the test of the spirits is Jesus. I don't know if that makes yeah. sense. But... <laughs> it does. Sorry, go on a minute. Pet uh, frustrations um, in in worship is when at the end of worship, the singing of the songs, um, whoever's leading gets up and says, "What a beautiful sense of the presence of God," and I think, "What do you mean by that?" Half the congregation's now going to feel condemned because they didn't feel anything and the other half is going to think because they got a warm fuzzy feeling when they were singing they now know what the presence of god is now i don't know the solution to that and and you know love thinking the best assumes that the leader isn't just saying it out of habit but that they genuinely had a real experience um I wonder whether it's almost, you know, you should say something like, well, thank you, Lord, that you are here as you said you would be, um, that a confession of faith, um, because Jesus has said he'll never leave us. And we, we want our congregation, regardless of how they feel, regardless of whether they were on an emotional high, um, singing releases endorphins, of course, we're going to feel good. So on a really um, sort of practical note, you know, thinking about, um, you know, how we how we ground this for, you know, in church, in, um, you know, what we've been entrusted with in terms of leading our church in worship uh, during our services. And, um, you know, do you have any any practical advice? I mean, obviously, we, we can talk a little bit about the, the content of our songs. And um, and I know that you, you both um, have spent you know, a lot of time and effort uh, making sure that we have songs in our arsenal that um, that do very deliberately point um, our church to Jesus. Um, what uh, what practical advice would you give to to us as worship leaders, as, as worship teams? Look, I think I think this is a, a shaking time 
not just for the world, but for the church. And um, the Bible talks about the fact that we will experience shaking, but we shouldn't be shaken loose. So I think this season has been a real test of our spirituality. It's been a test of our relationship with God. And I believe God is calling us back to a, a deeply personal, intimate relationship with Jesus and calling us back to matters that matter. Prophetically, I believe he is actually calling us to the threshing floor where he is going to shake loose the, the chaff of our life. And, of course, the temple itself was built on the threshing floor and Mount Moriah, where Abraham sacrificed, was the place where the temple was built. So God is calling us back to Mount Moriah, the place of sacrifice, the place of separation, where we uh, he's going to separate the good from the bad. And I've been shocked at how many good people have been shaken loose in this season, have lost their faith, lost their connection with church. And uh, I think as worship leaders, everything, everything that you do, and I really want to honor you for doing it, but everything you do is birthed in your personal relationship with God. When Philip spoke to Nathaniel and told him, come and see the, uh, I think this could be the Messiah, he actually had to have met him and knew exactly where he would be and where he was going. Jesus was on the move. Philip met him, was changed by him, then went to find Nathaniel and said, or the other way around, and said, I, I want you to know you need to meet Jesus. But the key is you can't take someone to Jesus where you don't, if you don't know where he is and if you don't know where he's going. And if you don't know what he's doing, you have to know exactly where he is, what he's doing, where he will be tomorrow so that you can lead other people to him. And so worship leading is all about your personal relationship with God. You cannot lead people unless you've encountered Christ yourself. <clears throat> you I, agree. Okay. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I think that's a, um, you know, that's a great encouragement too, just for, for us, I think, to, you know, have uh, a sense of, of our own personal responsibility uh, for hearing from God. I mean, and one of the things that I remember really early on is, um, you know, talking to Pastor Brian about uh, what songs we we need, and I said to him, um, you know, what should we be writing about? And he basically just said, well, you've got the same Holy Spirit, um, you know, in that sounds just like, like Brian. Brian. Only Brian can. Yeah, and um, and I, I, but I remember taking that on board and being like, that's actually, you know, the the onus is on us as um, as on songwriters or you know, preachers or worship leaders or you know, team leaders in our church to have our own um, sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and to be really intentional about hearing the voice of God for ourselves, but for our people, for our church, for one another um you know i think about that as in terms of uh what we're going to sing you know for, for us coming out of lockdown again and you know for you know across uh the the, the globe you know when, as we're meeting back together as a church um you know the, the encouragement would be just to make sure that we're very intentional about what words we're putting in the, the mouths of our church and um 
you know, I know one of your pet peeves, Robert and Amanda, is, um, you know, songs that, that talk too much about us or, or songs that talk too much about, um, you know, what we're feeling. Um, even the word feeling, I think, is it, it causes you guys to have connections um, in our songs. But, uh, but I think about that and I think, you know, we've got, to, we've got to make sure that we're focusing our church not on our experience, um, not that we have to forget where we find ourselves, but the focus is, is the eyes lifting onto the, uh, you know, the character of God, the constancy of God. And, um, and ultimately that the, the journey of our, of our song lists, if you like, is so intentional, like the scriptures are about pointing to Jesus that by the time we finish singing, um, it's just unmistakable that this has all been about Jesus, that, that everything that we've sung, everything that every reason that we're in the room together is about Jesus. And I think we've got songs that, that do that. I think there's, you know, we have to create light and shade. I think that we have to create, um, you know, in our, in our 20 minutes, whatever we have to, to sing, it's, there's, there's plenty of room to be able to engage our church um, in the, you know, the, the sort of season that we find ourselves, but that ultimately that, that we're, we're leading to this point where we know we're going to end by praising and, and lifting the name of Jesus and put that front and center as the, the center of our hope, the center of our faith and the, the center of the, the whole reason that we, we gather together. Um, and I think there we'll find out, we'll find as a church, we'll find unity and we'll find all the things that we're and healing and we'll find restoration and we'll find all the things that we're praying and believing for. Um, and it's not maybe going to be from, you know, a sense of striving or great strategy and all those things are in, important but it's going to be how well we put the main thing as the main thing. And that, that is Jesus. I, look, I couldn't agree more. If, if the world is being shaken and we're called to stay strong in this season, then what we've got to sing about is the things that aren't being shaken. The, the word of God, Jesus himself. Uh, you were very gracious at, at the beginning to say that one of the things that you like about us is that we are consistent. Well, the only reason that I am consistent is because I hang out with a consistent person, uh, not just Amanda, who's consistent, <laughs> but, but Jesus. Yeah. Um, and I've often used the illustration that when I was at university, I studied snakes. And snakes change their temperatures. They're technically called poikilotherms. In other words, they've got changeable temperatures. So what they do is that they, they make sure that they're near a rock that is uh, hot. So in the summer, they move, they behave so that if they're near the rock, they will maintain the temperature of the rock. And that really is what I, my, my moods are changeable. My feelings are changeable. My situation is changeable. So I don't wanna, I don't wanna talk about that. I don't want to sing about that. What I want to talk about is that the rock is immovable and is always constant. And if we want to be consistent in life, we hang out in the rock. Uh, I was, uh, I don't know, and I just finished with this thought, but I was a couple of weeks ago, I was having a mental conversation with myself as I was cleaning my teeth. And uh, in my head, someone was criticizing me. Uh, and I often play these games in my head. Someone criticizes me, then I respond. So I, I have an argument in my head going on when I'm cleaning my teeth. 
And someone said to me in my head, where have you been? Have you been living under a rock? And uh, so I said, yes, I have. It suddenly dawned on me that I'm meant to be living under a rock. That's exactly where I'm meant to live. And I'm meant to live within the parameters of the rock and not go beyond it. And I think a lot of us are going outside of the parameters of the rock. You've got to live and with under and around the rock, and then we'll be consistent in an inconsistent world. I love that so much. I can't believe somebody would be so offensive, Robert, to suggest that you're living under a rock. Well, apparently they were in my head. (laughs) (laughs) The parameters of the rock. Um, So, I mean, I feel like it'd be just to honor the time and, um, you know, maybe we we just take a few minutes if anyone's got any, pressing questions for Robert and Amanda. Um, Um, I would be real interested in you talking through your process of getting ready for worship because I think you are one of the finest worship leaders in terms of creating a narrative and actually um, thinking thoughtfully about the songs that you're doing and the transitions and what you're hoping to achieve. Really quickly, firstly, thank you. Um, I mean, I I think that, um, like, there's sort of two broad sort of things that are uh, intention and one is the um you know we talked a little bit about the the emotionality of singing and of music and I think that you know as a creative team I think we put a lot of effort into firstly like you know writing songs that that have their they have the right emotionality about them they cause you to feel what you're singing but that, that's that's sort of prosody that's the the sense that the the song itself feels like it's it's genuine. It's it's an authentic expression, um, and we do that with our lighting. We do that with our staging. We do that. We put a lot of time and effort and creativity into making sure that things feel right. Um, and so I think that's really important. I think about the way that musically some of the the set's going to flow. I want it to feel like um, it makes sense and that people aren't getting whiplashed around with um, you know. So I th- I put a lot of time into that side of it. Um, and how we transition between songs. Uh, I think a lot about the keys of the song, so it's it's easy to move in and out of sections and in and out of songs. Um, but I think, and um, Robert and Amanda said it just moments ago. But um, what we're confessing to me is 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 the most important thing. And so yes, it's got to kind of feel like it makes sense. But I think a lot then about the theology that we're singing and whether there's a narrative to the you know the theology of the songs that we're and the sequence of songs um so i've always kind of thought it would it's you know just thinking through like in a linear kind of way like if if we're singing about the the resurrection of jesus in song two but then we move back to like a song about the cross i mean making it like a really kind of obvious sort of but it feels like a bit like what what's happening with the you want to take people on the journey where um you know, you don't have to go through like a, you know, a biblical systematic theology, but, you know, having a bit of at least thinking about, you know, what, what's happening in a, in a service. So if there's a song of surrender, um, you know, I like to put that after a song that's a strong confession about the character of God, for example. So it makes it easy for people to feel that we've sung about how good God is, that God's trustworthy. And then we sing a song of surrender where we're placing trust into the God that we've just confessed was trustworthy. Um, that would be an example where, you know, that would help, I think, create a lean-in from our church. And, um, you know, one of the things as well that I think um, 
is a, is a bit of a trap is particularly coming back into church when we haven't been meeting together. Um, it's, I feel like we've really got to retrain our church to sing. Um, you know, there's been lots of meetings where um, if it's felt like it's actually like, you know, people are leaning in, but it's just people aren't singing as loud as they were, you know, and people are just, it's almost like we've kind of got to re-establish uh, the habit of worship and, and re-establish what it is to, to do that to, together. Um, and so to kind of do that, I guess, with a sense of certainly boldness and leadership, but with grace and patience and be able to, um, you know, encourage our church and pastor our church um, to that place of, of, of feeling um, comfortable again in worship or, or understanding again that the role of worship corporately and, um, and it's not sort of coming in too hot and trying to, uh, you know, convict people to raise their hands and sing louder. Um, guys, we may need to end here because we are well over our time and I'm sorry, but we have loved it so much and appreciate your gold and your wisdom and helping us navigate some pretty interesting seasons. And I want to reiterate um, what Ben said at the start. Um, Ferguson's, you're such a gift to our creative team. I think you've given us so much to think on and ponder. And so, Father, I thank you for this team of people. I thank you, God, that today causes us to lift our eyes higher, to remember that, um, Jesus, you opened the scroll, that you are worthy of all of our worship, that you are the one that is navigating and guiding us and leading us. And so I pray that we might make you beautiful to the people, that their hearts may be to serve you and worship you with everything they have because we are true to your word and we are remembering to call people back to who you are and what you are doing. Build your church, God, and thank you that you use us in the process. And God, lead us in your ways. Give us great wisdom as we go about our day today. We bless you. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it and I hope that it, hope that it's really useful to you. If the podcast is useful and helpful to you, if you're enjoying it, then I'd love to invite you to share it on social media or maybe to text it, you know, share a link with a friend. Uh, if you tag Hillsong Creative at Hillsong Creative, uh, maybe we'll repost you, I don't know. <laughs> and if, you, uh, if you're not yet subscribed, let me just take this opportunity to uh, invite you to do that as well. You'll get notified of new episodes whenever they're released. Also, if you haven't heard, we've launched a brand new podcast called The Praying Through the Bible with Hillsong Creative. It's designed to help you get more out of the Word of God in your daily life. So I'd encourage you to search Hillsong Creative or Praying Through the Bible. Subscribe to that one too. And of course, obviously rate it and let us know how you're enjoying that one too. Well, thanks again for being part of us and with us on the journey. And we'll talk to you next time.